If you have your Bibles, we'll go through our third lesson of Moses. If you got a prayer bulletin, inside that would be a outline. If you want to follow along, take notes, you're welcome to. And we're continuing our study in Moses. So go ahead and take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. The book of Exodus, chapter 3. Book of Exodus, chapter 3. And notice it's, we're going to start in verse 1. The theme of our lesson here tonight is listening to the voice of God. Listening to the voice of God. Someone said this, to hear God speaking to us, we don't need perfect circumstances or surroundings, but rather we need to be attentive to listen when he speaks. Okay? Be attentive to listen when he speaks. I'll give you an illustration. There was a young man, and he was driving his brand new Jaguar sports car. And he was kind of driving his sports car in a residential community, and he was going a little too fast. And because he's young, and he was successful, and he's, you know, in charge and directing his life, and he, he's just a-going. All of a sudden, he's driving through a bunch of cars. You know, cars are parked against the side of the street. He's driving along. And all of a sudden, out from nowhere comes a brick and hits the side of his car. He goes, what? Slams on the brakes gets out of his car, looks at his car, looks around, and he sees a kid. <laughs> and he says, did you throw that brick at my car? And the kid goes, yes, I did. Why would you do that? He said, my brother just fell out of his wheelchair. And he's laying on the ground, and I can't pick him up. And I need someone to help me. And I didn't know what else to do to get your attention. So I threw a brick hoping that I would stop somebody to help me. Well, he got, what are you going to say, right? So he turned, you know, he went and helped him, got his brother into the wheelchair. The brother said, thank you very much. And down the street he went. And he's just kind of, wow, you know, what, you know, it takes you a while to kind of comprehend all that, right? The, Break, to get this all in, and he goes back and he looks at his car, and he's thinking, now what, you know? But then he thought, you know, maybe I should leave that dent there, just to remind me. When I ever get too busy or just get too focused on my own life, it doesn't take a brick to get my attention. And sometimes, God's going to do some things to get our attention. If we get too focused on something else other than him, don't be surprised that God may bring something in your life. I don't think he's going to hit you with a brick. I hope not. But I think he may hit you with something, more of in a, you know, a mental way or hopefully in a way that will get your attention that it won't be so severe. Let me ask you this question. Thinking about your Christian life, how has God spoken to you? in the past. Just think back. Think back in your life for a few minutes and just think, God, how has God spoken to me? What has God done to get my attention? To get, him, to get me to 
understand something he's trying to tell me. I can think of the ways in my life. God's got my attention. But he has that way of doing that. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Maybe it was an impression. Maybe all of a sudden something just occurred to you. All right? And you realize, oh, I never realized that before. And it occurred to you. Maybe it was through the reading of the Word of God. He brought something out, a truth or a principle in your life. And, or maybe it was the voice of a friend, someone saying something to you. Hey, you know, you really need to look at this. You really need to uh, just comprehend what you're doing. Or maybe it was, uh, so the question is, isn't, is, does God speak? That's not the question. Does, is God speaking? Yes, he is. The question is, are we listening? That's the question. Are we listening to what he has to say? And that's what we're going to look at in the life of Moses, because God had put Moses in that desert for 40 years for a purpose, to learn some lessons. But now, after 40 years, God was going to speak, and he was going to get Moses' attention. And so tonight, we got three ways Moses responded to the speaking of the Lord to him. Number one, Moses gave his attention. Moses gave his attention. You see, Moses was busy, wasn't he? Notice it says here, chapter 3, verse 1, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So here we see Moses busy. He's working. He's a shepherd. He's herding sheep. He's taking them out to Sinai, to that big mountain, Horeb, or Sinai. The, the names are synonymous. It's the same place. And he's out there. He's finding grazing land for his sheep. He's herding them. And you know, now God's ready to speak. After 40 years, he's ready to speak. You know, who, who's God looking for? When you look in the Bible, a lot of times, not every time, but usually the people God called were busy people. They were following and they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were faithful. They were consistent in what God had called them to do at that moment in time. And so I think that speaks to us a little bit, doesn't it, about our life, is that wherever, whatever stage your life you're in, whatever place God has led you and you're at, Let's be faithful at what God has called us to do. Uh, let's be consistent in what God has called us to do. You know, if, if you say, well, all I do is go to church and, uh, and pray, well, praise the Lord. I'm thankful you're here tonight. <laughs> and you keep praying. Be consistent in your prayer. Be faithful in your prayer. Because that's one of the greatest things you could do is to pray and spend that time in prayer. So God's looking for people who are consistent. God is, and God captures their attention, doesn't he? He, he? You know, don't worry, God will get your attention. If you're wondering, well, God, when are you going to get my attention? You just be patient. 
He'll get your attention. Uh, how about Balaam? He's the, the, the talking donkey. <laughs> God's attention. How about Jonah? All right, God prepared a great fish. Yeah. How about Isaiah? Isaiah was in the temple and he saw that vision of the Lord sitting on his throne. And then uh, how about the Apostle Paul? Walking down the road to Damascus and he saw that great bright light from heaven. You see, God gets our attention. He'll get our attention. And uh, maybe you can think about how God's done that for you. Letter A here, we see the bush was burning. The bush was burning. This drew Moses' attention as he approached the bush. He saw that it was burning. Now, I, I would think a bush burning in the desert is probably not a great phenomenon. Maybe unusual on occasion. But I, I, he'd probably seen that before. So it drew his attention. He saw the burning bush. We see that in verse 2. But what really got his attention was uh, letter B, the bush was not consumed. All right? That's, that really, you know, it's been burning. Maybe it burned for an hour, then two hours, then four hours, and then maybe half a day, and then maybe, a, you know, however long. That got his attention. He said, wow, that bush is still burning. It's not burned up. It's not consumed in the fire. And that, got, and that was abnormal, wasn't it? What, what do we call that? When something abnormal that's contrary to nature occurs. A miracle, yeah. <laughs> that's a miracle. That's God showing that he has authority and power over creation as the creator. And that's what he was demonstrating to Moses. That got Moses' attention. And he demonstrated that through a miracle in his life. And he saw that. Kind of reminds me of the cross. That bush. And we know who was in the bush, the fire, don't we? It was the Lord. And actually, some believe it was the pre-incarnate Christ. And, and there it is demonstrating that the cross, Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood on the cross. He died. He put, they put him in the grave, but you know what? The grave could not conceal him. And he was not consumed. Amen. And he is alive today. Amen. And we believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. Yeah. And he's in heaven today. And you cannot, you know, he's not consumed, he's alive. And why do we know he's alive? Because the resurrection. Right. You know what got the apostles? You know what got the disciples' attention? When Jesus appeared in the midst of them. Right? There was a demonstration of God's power over sin and death. God's Power. And that got their attention. And then they went out and they preached and they suffered and they were, you know, they went through great things. Why? Because they saw the risen Lord. Amen. They saw God's power. And that's what we see there. The cross is a demonstration of God's power. This burning bush is a demonstration of God's power. And we even can see the cross, our Lord and Savior, in this burning bush. And that leads us to point number two here. 
Moses gave his reverence. He gave his reverence. Why? Because look at here in verse 5. Well, we'll begin in verse 3. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. So we see that he was on holy ground. Why? Why was that holy? Because God was there. That's why anything's holy. That's why anything is holy. Why do we call this the Holy Bible? Because it's God. <laughs> it's God's book. That's why it's holy. Because it's of God. And God gave it to us. And, it's, it's, and we have it for us today. Why was that place, the tabernacle, why was that a holy place? Because God dwelt there in the Holy of Holies. That's why only Levites and only priests could go. You know, the Levites could go so far. And then the priests could only go so far because the closer you got to God, the holier it got. And that's why the high priest could only go in there after a certain amount of things he had to do because he was in the presence of a holy God. And that's why uh, we, the, mo, mo, the, the bush is crying out, the Lord's crying out, he says, take off your shoe. This is holy ground that we're standing on today uh, for that. You know, where's the holy ground today? The temple's gone. Where is it? <laughs> it's right here. You're the holy ground. That's what the Bible says. All right? We have been filled with the Spirit of God. All right? We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we have been called to be holy and unblameable. That's what it says. Turn with me over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it says, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without bless, blame before him in, lo in, in, in love. So we are to be holy. Why? Because one day we're going to stand before him. And actually, even today, we even can go into his presence in prayer and come before the holy place, the throne of God. Amen. And so God has called us to be a holy people. And the closer we draw to God, the closer he'll draw to us. Amen. That's what the Bible teaches us. We are to live holy and without blame on a continual basis continual basis. And then letter B, 
he had a humble response. Notice it says in verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So he was humbled. He recognized that he was in the presence of a holy God. And here he was, you know, maybe he began to think about his life, how sinful he was. That's what happened to Isaiah, right? <laughs> Isaiah, when he was in the, saw that vision and recognized he was in that place, that presence, how he felt himself was a sinner and unworthy uh, to be there. But you know, that shows his humility. That shows his meekness. And that's why I think that's uh, what God was trying to teach Moses. We kind of talked about that last week, didn't we? Where he, before, 40 years before, Moses was not that humble and meek person. He was rather uh, forceful. He was rather self-promoting and uh, kind of wanted to do things his own way. But now we see a different Moses. Now here's a man who's willing to humble himself, and we see his meekness there. He was ready to be used of God. Uh, where he wasn't be 40 years before. He wasn't ready. But now, after 40 years in the desert, he was ready to be used of God. Why? Because of his heart. His heart. His heart was right. His, his thinking and his attitudes was right before God. And that's important, isn't it? That's what God's looking for. He's looking for that proper attitude, that proper, that we would have the proper motive for the reason we do things the motive in our hearts. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 51. Psalm chapter 51 and verse 17. It says here, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. What's a contrite heart? We don't, we don't talk about being contrite today, but that's a good word. And, and, they, and, the, and the meaning of it is this, to be broken down with sorrow for sin. And that's what we need. We need to realize that we, as we serve a holy God, when we do wrong, when we sin, we need to be ready to repent. We need to repent of our sin and make that right before God. And that's what contrite means. It means this idea of being humbled enough to recognize your wrong and to ask for forgiveness. But so often, if we're not careful, what do we want to do? We want to hold on. We want to be proud. We, we are, that old flesh gets in the way. And that's, that's our number one problem sometimes, is that old flesh and the pride of life that stands in the way of our repentance when we need to repent. You see, when you stand before a holy God, you're going to know your sin. Amen. I mean, when you recognize that, you're going to see your sin. Yes. And we need to repent of that. You know, it's hard to listen to what God is saying when we got sin in our hearts. He's, you're not gonna, he's not going to be able to hear. So the first step is to take that step and repent and humble yourself before God as we see Moses. Turn with me to 1 Peter. 
1 Peter chapter 5. We see another verse here. 1 Peter chapter 5. I made reference to it a little bit before. I was a little bit out of, I got a little ahead of myself. But 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. It says, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves to the, unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. There is a secret. Submission. Submitting to one another. And, you know, it's not just submitting to the pastor. You know, it's submitting to each other. And even the pastor submitting. <laughs> submitting to, the, to each other. That we all would be humble. So that we all would be, uh, be able to uh, let God uh, speak to us and use us. So we go to point number three here. Moses gave his obedience. So the next, you know, just natural plan is that Moses would, he would see this bush, he would, he would see it, he would come, he would approach it, and now as God begins to tell him, he would be obedient. Now was Moses obedient right away? No. <laughs> All right. And before we get on Moses a little bit and kind of kicking him a little bit around, are we the same sometimes? Do you obey right away? No, sometimes we don't, do we? And so we can understand a little bit how Moses goes through this. But he, we do see this. One of the most wonderful statements that could be said about a believer is that he is obedient Christian. Could people say that about you? You know, I don't like that person. <laughs> but he's obedient to the things of God. He's obedient. He, he, he's not a hypocrite. Letter A, we see here, he made his excuses. He made his excuses. And, and we can look at some of these. Uh, we don't have time to read them all through. I'll just kind of give them for you if you want to write these down. But he made three basic excuses, three basic ones. Number one, who am I? Who? Me? You want to use me? Notice it says in verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of that land unto a good land and a large land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a prosperous land, good for agricultural good for growing crops, good for raising herds of sheep and cattle, a beautiful land. And he goes on to say, but notice his reply, Moses' reply in verse 11. And he said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? So, Lord, who am I? Well, that's funny. Forty years ago, he was ready to go. <laughs> Wasn't he? Forty years, they say, all right, Lord, I'm ready. Let's get this done. Now, 40 years later, well, I don't know. What, me? <laughs> you want me? <laughs> so he's changed. He's, he, you know, isn't that funny sometimes? When, you know, we, we think, oh, if God told me to do that, I'd do it. If, if, 
Boy, I'm ready now. I'm ready now. I'm ready to get going now. You ever felt like that? I'm ready to do this now. And all of a sudden the call comes, you go, wait a minute now. I don't know if I'm ready or not. (laughs) That's kind of like Moses, isn't it? You know, and now when he's confronted, he's now he's confronted with the actual doing it, he's not so sure anymore. And I think that just reveals a little bit of our nature, doesn't it? You know, a little bit of our nature. Uh, not only that, but number two, they will not believe me. They will not believe me. You, you, who am I? I mean, I can tell them to do whatever, but doesn't mean they're going to listen to me. Notice it says in chapter 4, verse 1, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. That was another excuse. And he felt, you know, no one's going to listen to me. Why? And why should they? And then number three, I am slow of speech. So he didn't speak too well. He had a, we don't know what it was, but somehow he had a problem with, with talking and speaking. Maybe he got nervous. Maybe he had a, a stutter. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But he was slow in speech. And we see that in verse 10. It says here, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, for I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. So he didn't feel confident in the way he could speak and and address the crowd. And sooner or later, Moses had to just learn to trust God. And we see that sooner or later, after God speaks to him and and addresses these issues, he says, okay, Lord, I'll go. And so we give him credit for that. There will always always be people who will refuse to listen. It won't. That's just the way it is. There will always be people who will not listen to God. Uh, because, you know, what is God calling today? He's, God is calling everyone to salvation. And yet there are people that will not listen. They will not heed. They will not come to know Christ as Savior. And sadly, they refuse to come and they suffer for it. And so there's always people that will refuse to listen. But if anybody should listen and be willing to follow the Lord, it should be us. It should be us as believers to follow him. And then letter B, he made changes. So the Lord made some, he, uh, the, the Lord, now the he there, he, he made the changes. Uh, number one, there was a change in Moses' country. There was a change. Notice it says in verse 18, uh, chapter four, verse 18, and Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they yet alive, be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go, return to Egypt for all the men that are dead which sought thy life. See, there was a change. All those people that wanted to kill Moses, they're gone. And so there was a change. God changed some things. God changed Moses' country. He changed the, uh, the people that were there that was, enabled him to go back. And then there was a change in Moses' calling. There was a change. 
Uh, notice we read that in verse uh, 21 to 23. Uh, we won't take time to read that. You can if you like while I'm speaking. But once called to be a shepherd, now he's called to be a spokesman for the Lord to the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh. At that time in history, he's called. And he's called to, now God is using him to serve the people of Israel, to call them out and to bring them to the land of Canaan, to their freedom. And so what we learned tonight, let's don't be too proud. Don't be too proud to move. All right, as Christians, let's, let's let God, let's let him speak to us. Let's listen to him. And then when he calls us to do whatever he was have us to do, let's be willing to follow. As we sang tonight, follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere, I will follow on. And let that be our testimony. When we commit to be obedient to God's leadership, he will provide the directions where he wants us to go. We just need to listen and humble ourselves and obey.